Welcome to another episode of the Harvest Profit Podcast. Coming to you today with Ben Longlet for the part two of our interview. Um, if you look at, if you listen to the prior episodes, we've interviewed most of the team here. I think we uh, Claudine has left, and then our our office partner Lanny will probably throw him on a podcast. He likes to talk, so I need to make sure this thing has a few hours of battery life before <laughs> we kick off that that conversation with Lanny, but. Good to have Ben again. Ben's a customer support specialist here at Harvest Profit. You want to talk a little bit, Ben, about support differences between your role at Harvest Profit and versus your prior job where you did a lot of supporting of the field view product? Yeah, so definitely the it's quite a bit different. You know, the support we handled with field view. A lot of it was handled uh, over a quick phone call. Just, you know, it's usually someone has something set up wrong, a, a quick setting change, and, uh, you know, restart your iPad, restart your drive, and it, it was it would kick things off, get things going. Sure. Um, but with Harvest Profit, it's it's really a wide range of, of kind of support things, and, and some of them are um, harder to solve, but it's uh, it's 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 not always, um, should we say, it's not really equipment problems. It's it's We get a lot of scenarios from people that, are wanting to enter something, but it, it's really unique to to each each customer. So that's why some things are a little more complicated. But yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily a, a lot of the support requests we get aren't really you know we get a plenty of them that are how do I add a user you know how do I uh, just do very specific things that are easy to answer. But a lot of them are here's the situation I have going on in my farm. How would you set that up? Yep. For instance, I literally, just before we hopped on uh, this recording, I had somebody ask a good question. And the question was, if I have regular, like full season soybeans and double crop soybeans on the same farm, how do I differentiate between those two? And so that's just not a very, that's just not really related to uh, how do I add fertilizer to my account, or how do I do a hedge to arrive contract? And so, um, a lot of those questions require some domain expertise, and uh, Ben does a really great job at that. For that question that I just received, I'm responded that that customer is going to have to create a. I assume he wants, you know, he obviously wants to analyze them separately. So I suggested creating a separate crop called double crop soybeans or soybeans double crop and then he can still market that as soybeans you know that's one that's a feature we built a a year ago or so where previously if you would have double crop soybeans and full season soybeans you would have you'd market them separately well that just isn't how it is done in the real world or if you had different crop types like irrigated corn regular corn they would be marketed separately and so that's just an example of one of the changes that that we've made. And would you say, Ben, at FieldView, supporting that product versus Harvest Profit is a little more, it's different in the fact that it probably takes a little bit more understanding of the situation and of each specific farm here, but it's also slightly different in the fact that it typically isn't coming from the seed of the planter or the sprayer, the combine, where 
you know, they're already in the midst of a mission critical activity. Would that be a fair assumption? Oh yeah, for sure. It's the time sensitive, <laughs> you know, usually with field view is something, even though you didn't need to use field view, it wasn't important of, you know, you could still plant without it. You could still complete that field operation. Uh, people are pretty adamant about having that working in the cab. You know, obviously they're paying for a product. They want it to work yeah, when they're using yeah. it. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it was, you know, you're getting phone calls from, you know, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., 10 p.m. It was just, it's, yep. it was the whole, you know, in planning season, it's just you don't know what to expect. So, yep. And for those that don't know, at Harvest Profit, our team size today is uh, myself, Nick. We have three software developers and we have Ben with customer success. And then we hired somebody recently, a, a woman named Claudine. Claudine works. Uh, half days for us on customer success and and just kind of office management i would say more so office management now but going to step into more of a customer success role so we have a pretty small team here and our two main methods of customer support are our help desk at support at harvestprofit.com and then we have the ability to book calls uh, harvestprofit.com backslash call it's been you know we get on average, about 1% of our customers ask a question a day in the winter. It's probably like 2%. So that would be, you know, 5 to 10, 15 questions a day. And when farmers are busy, that's when we might get one or two questions or none, you know, during planting, during harvest. What have customer reactions been to you um, when it comes to that setting up support calls? You know, that's typically the farmer... You know, if he's making a hundred, you know, expensive purchases of seed, chemical, fertilizer, you know, there isn't. They really like to talk to people right away. And what, off the top of your head, what do you think the experience has been for people booking those calls? I think a lot of people are they. We get a lot of that. I get that question a lot. Uh, you know, we complete the first phone call that's scheduled, and then the question is, okay, now, do I call you back at this number? You know, what's what's kind of moving forward and. It's been a, for me, it's a little difficult because I'm so used to the, I'm fine with having people just call me back. That's, you know, I've been yeah. in that side of egg yeah. my whole life. Um, and, uh, but kind of what I tell people is that there's a, a lot of customers. There's one of me and, you know, obviously we're going to use the scheduling system to kind of prioritize it. So yeah. if you call me back and I don't answer, it's not because I, I don't want to talk to you. It's because yeah. we might be yeah. busy with, you know, one of our other customers. Yeah. And like we so, talked about in the first uh, the first recording, you also farm. And so during those busier times of the year, uh, most days you'll still be available uh, for work. You'll be working. Um, you know, if you have an internet connection, that's pretty much what you need to, to do the, your support job here at Harvest Profit. But then there's going to be some days where, you know, you might be in an area with poor cell coverage or just, uh, you know, it's just a long day and you want to, you know, take the day off and, and just farm or, you know, take the day off after farming and, and, you know, go on vacation. And so that support that, how we have that support set up, it's good because uh, other people here can plug into that availability. And so people can still contact somebody, uh, get help with any issues or answer any, we can answer any questions even if, if you're away. And so I think that's it's been a little bit unique. And one thing I found when I've taken support calls, if they've been booked through the, the harvestprofit.com backslash call, is that people oftentimes will say, 
I had three questions. I was able to answer two of them because I had a little more time to uh, to work in the software, think about it. And so it gives a little bit of time where it's, you know, we, we Ben and I have debated a lot about, you know, do we set up inbound, just, you know, calls inbound to, to us. And, and frankly, we, you know, we're getting to the point where that might, we have enough customers where that might be a realistic way, but uh, the support line is interesting because it does allow for time for users to to play around, trial, and find a situation or or a use case in the software that works for them. So it's it's been an interesting kind of trial by fire on on how we we do support here. What feature have we released, Ben, that you would say is the kind of the the cause of the most in-depth support that you've had to work on yeah so it's definitely our our inventory feature with the with the integration side of it but uh definitely the it's got the most price probably one of the most powerful features but it with with the powerfulness of it it means there's a lot of uh kind of unique situations to it and uh it takes a lot to understand how it works so when a when a customer you know asks a question and very specifically um there's there's i mean honestly there's times where i have to go back and ask our our developers how how was this written because there's just it's just so much to keep up on but yeah we do there's a lot of unique situations with with crop shares and and entity shares and it's it can just be it can be very difficult to diagnose the problem yeah I and mean, we've had the feature ben's talking about is a grain inventory feature where we have a very tight integration with a, a tool and a software product called LibreCart. So we automatically import those loads. We take whatever field attributes people have in their harvest profit account, and we layer those on top of the load. So if you have crop shares, if you have field splits, uh, we automatically do that math. And uh, you know, we just had a customer recently who they were wondering why uh, their list of elevators wasn't pulling over and their list of fields, and it's because they they hadn't gone through the steps of the integration and, and mapped things together and. There's nothing wrong with that. We're more than willing to, yeah, we love to help and, and point people in the right direction. But that's one thing that's going to be interesting going forward here for the you know, the next year or two as we build out deeper integrations with some of these agronomic platforms on you know, trying to build them in a way that helps diagnose, helps users diagnose what's going on. And maybe they have in their precision ag tool, Maybe they have 14 fields. In Harvest Profit, they have 12. Um, or they might, the more likely use case would be they have 14 in their precision ag tool and 16 in Harvest Profit, but they wrap a couple boundary, they wrap a couple ownership boundaries with an operational boundary. So you have multiple fields within one boundary. And so there's going to be some interesting issues. And it's, a, it's challenging to, to support those if we don't have access to necessarily know what's going on on the other side of the what with the other tool they're using and i think one of the things that made your job easier correct me if i'm wrong is asking people for credentials or to be added as a user into their LibreCard account yeah that was definitely helpful in us kind of figuring out what was going on because otherwise we're looking at a at a database list of loads and it's just it's it's not the same experience uh especially the user interface when we're searching for for fields and all of a sudden you can only see a, an ID number. You don't see the actual field name. Yep. It's, it, it, it took a lot to dig into, you know, a customer could have, you know, several, I mean, we had guys with several thousand grain cart loads and uh, just to, you know, when the question comes in, it's like, this number doesn't look right. 
you know, my production doesn't look right. Well, we, we, when you got to start digging into it, the depths of it, it can be quite, uh, it can get to be quite a lot. Yeah, and that's where I think, you know, our customers do a good job. Um, and it's funny, when I use software tools, I try to, you know, because I've been on the support side of things, if I'm having an issue, I try to let, you know, I try to think ahead on what would they need to help me with this issue. Um, like when somebody asks, we have a, I have an issue with production in my Harvest Profit account. Um, and then, you know, the obvious question we would say to them is, can you please point us to where you see an issue with production and, and we'll hop in and take a look. And more often than not, it's, you know, a f- field wasn't mapped from one platform to the to the uh, to harvest profit and I, I will say with this LibreCard integration when I was helping you recently with the customer that had an issue um, the dev team here that built that feature it's a pretty pretty intuitive integration on making sure all right we have our fields lined up we have our crops lined up we have our our destinations our green bins lined up and so I think if we can continue to make it as intuitive as possible to set up the customer for success, it's just going to make our lives easier. Yeah, for sure. And, and part of the problem for us is it's an inventory feature. We, we only had so much testing we could do with the with the importing of loads because it's it kind of has to happen in season. So yeah. we all kind of learned together as it went on, and, and uh, we had to make some changes, but it was kind of a, a trial year almost. Yeah, but. and farming farm technology specifically it isn't that big of a market in the big picture like if you are going to if you're going to build an integration with gmail or uh, salesforce.com or some of these quickbooks online they have sample accounts that you can use that you can test with staging accounts that you can can test your integration with and in agriculture we're kind of at the infancy of of that on uh having the infrastructure in place across all these companies to to test out different cases and different use cases with integrations because it's it isn't like we can enter in you know 500 fake contacts or a thousand fake transactions into our quickbooks online test account it's you know oftentimes you really need real data and the real data only comes in certain small compressed time frames throughout the year so it's it's going to be a challenge and I frankly don't think some of the next integrations when we're starting to pull in as applied data, I don't think it's going to be quite as magical as what a person would think in their brain on all of a sudden it takes my as applied data, turns into a, a cost, and then I have a, a live P&L statement. There's going to be some massaging. There's going to be uh, some reconciliation and accepting that data into our platform. And cause at the end of the day, if if the data isn't correct, it uh it can be pretty dangerous on uh, leading to um, leading to wrong decisions. When you your work is you know basically your job as a farmer, you know as a precision ag student, can you comment on you know one common request from farmers that I see to a product like FieldView uh, is, hey, are you going to be compatible with so and so product? Or you know, so and so precision egg system. When are you going to be compatible with that? Has your perspective on, you know, and now you're on the other side of it where we get a lot of thoughts and ideas and suggestions on things that we can add. Uh, has that been a, a little bit of an interesting experience on, you know, going from being a user that has ideas on changes that companies could make to being 
the support person that's fielding those questions on right. future requests? Yeah, so definitely when I was when I was with FieldView, we got a lot of questions about when's this coming online, when's this feature going to be added, and and being in that sales role, you always you know you always wanted to know when that was going to happen, but yeah. being disconnected from their development team or any of that, you really had I had no clue what it what it took to to build those or to or to add those, and then. Now at Harvest Profit, being working so close with with our team here, uh, you start to understand what it what it takes to build those, and then the problems that come with it. And uh, so now it's almost we we start getting requests and and uh, you know people with, with these great ideas, which which would be awesome if we could just make them work overnight. But when you start looking at some of the stuff that takes months to to fine tune, and then uh, it, it just there's a lot there's a lot more to it than what. At me as a farmer before I was involved with this would ever think about. Yeah, and same with me as uh, doing consulting work for you know ten years before releasing Harvest Profit. I had an idea of what I wanted, and when you start to when you start to have live software out in production, you just I've learned to respect the need to be careful on trying to do too much. Uh, so then we don't end up being that complicated piece of software that everybody says, oh, that's great in theory, but they 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 can't use it. And frankly, that's it kind of sucks having to say no a lot. Uh, and I know that was one of the things when you first started, I was talking about, hey, you know, our default answer just has to be no, um, but that, you know, we're probably not going to do that, but that's a good suggestion. We'll put it on our list. And I do know one of the one of the more enjoyable times for me is, and it doesn't happen as often as I would like, but when one of our developers gets a free couple of weeks and they can just go onto that to-do list and and pick off a half dozen things that um, aren't going to really change the complexity of the product, but can help make people's lives easier. And it's fun. I, I think you probably saw in Slack, uh, which is a chat tool we use, and I put it on Twitter. The the ten thousandth change that we've made to the code base over uh, since 2015. So four years. That's that's every single day, you know, making four four or five changes a day. If you look at business days, that's probably making a dozen or more. Uh, with a relatively small team, making 10 to 15 changes a day. What, changing subjects a little bit now, what would you say is, and I have an idea of this in my head, but I'll let you respond. What current functionality in Harvest Profit do we get the most questions about right now? Uh, at the moment right now yep at the moment right now we had a lot of i don't know the last couple months have been entity shares and crop shares i don't know if that's kind of where you're yeah yep, that's exactly what i what i think too and for a little background we have two ways to split up the financials and the ownership of data and harvest profit one is this concept of an entity split uh, an ownership split so you like, you know, Ben farms with his dad and his brother, and if you split everything a certain percentage, you can just apply that split to a field. So if it's fifty uh, percent, you know, and this isn't your guys' situation, but if you if it was fifty percent, twenty five, twenty five, you can create that split, assign it to the field. It splits up the variable expenses, it splits up the grain, and then you can assign overhead to those different entities. Then we have this concept of a crop share which if you have a 30% crop share, well, how we treat it is we just take 30% of the production out of the equation, and then uh, if the landlord pays for 
you know, if they pay for 30% of the seed, they can do that. So 30% of the seed fertilizer and chemical or and crop insurance, you can create really flexible crop shares, but it leads to a lot of questions. Uh, the one simple decision that I made, and this is probably a result of being in an area here in, in Minnesota and North Dakota where we have very few traditional crop shares, um, we just built it to, to remove that production. And so now we have people that sign up and they, and they say, well, that's, you know, that's maybe not the way I'd like to look at it or it's a little counterintuitive. But we're at the point now where we have 500 plus customers that are used to seeing it that way. So if we make the change to the, to the current um, interface or just the logic, it's going um, to change how, how all of our current customers see things. And so that's, as we get more, you know, hopefully we continue to grow, um, we need to be cautious on the changes that, we, that we're making because people who are currently using it are using it uh, in a certain way and they have a, a certain expected, uh, expected behavior. One interesting story, we, in the design of Harvest Profit, we used to have the, the left navigation bar where we have all of the, the sub-tabs, the tabs you can go into. That was a dark gray, and the rest of the screen was more of a white or a really light gray. So it was almost a black sidebar. Then we removed that and kind of made the background of the app all the same. And I opened up the software the day that we released that, and I just looked at it for a while, and I thought, man, this looks good. Like I, I'm really liking the... You know the the rel relatively small change in the big picture, but it just kind of keeping the design moving forward and fresh. And then five minutes later, I look on my email from one of our customers. I hate this change. Why did you change the color of that? What was the point of that? And so quickly, you know, made me realize that we just have to be thoughtful about how we change things. And we, when we this past year, when we moved from amount-based applications of seed fertilizer and chemical to more of an activity-based customer emailed me like, I hate the way you guys are doing it now. And I said, well, what do you hate about it? And he didn't respond until like the, in the, until the next day and said, oh, I, I spent some more time with it and uh, I just didn't understand how it worked. And so, uh, and he liked the change that we made and we made it for a reason. But being a small team, you know, communicating those changes and, and making sure we're, we're doing it for a reason. You just recorded a, another challenge we have you know, we're, we're, we've been around for a few years, but we're a relatively young product, a relatively young company making changes, making design changes. You noticed that our, our main getting started video was, um, had gotten old. And so you recorded, uh, you recorded that, uh, re-recorded that. And, you know, frankly, that's something that's going to happen quite often. And so it's interesting keeping up on making sure our documentation and our help articles are accurate and the videos are re reflective of the current product. Um, you know, what have you seen as far as uh, emails, phone calls? Do people respond? You know, do they like the videos? Do they like the text, the phone calls? Or is it kind of all of the above? What do you see as being our most effective channel on? Or is it specific to the question for helping customers? It's probably, yeah, it's probably really depends on the customer, but we do get, we have, if we look back at last year, like our, our average support call probably was quite a bit longer than what it has been this year. So I don't know what to really pinpoint that to, but we've changed a lot of things in the software that just make it more, it's just easier to use. It's, it's yeah. it makes more, it makes sense of how you would set this up. Um, so 
but I think the videos have helped. You know, we get a lot of questions or a lot of a lot of times when we talk to people in the support call, the first thing they say is we watched the getting started video. I got the basics set up. Now I just need to know how to do these, you know, two, three quick quick questions. And yep. it's a maybe a fifteen minute call, half hour call, and then all of a sudden that customer is set up and good to go. So I think that's been really helpful. Um but it, it's definitely, you know, some people like reading better versus watching yep. a video. And so it's, it's we try to keep everything up to date. But it's yep. definitely it's definitely a challenge because, uh, like you said, we make changes a lot. And um, it might not necessarily be that the that help doc we wrote, um, it, it might might not have been a change that is specific to what happens in that help doc. But the they've changed, they've added a tool or something in the UI that now is different. And you'd want to update like those screenshots or there's just as always it's it is hard to keep up on but yep yep one thing that i've tried to be more uh, deliberate about i guess is when people ask questions about the software and you know can we do a, a demo webinar or a screen share i've been very uh, adamant about the fact that rather than do that you should spend a half an hour 45 minutes with the software see how it works and then write down whatever questions you have because you're going to have questions. It's still, you know, there's a lot going on there and seeing how the data interact, you know, from tab to tab, how it flows. But that's where I think that's been a, a almost a game changer is you know, telling people, hey, try it out first and then we'll be more than willing to, we'll hop on as many calls or as many emails as we have to to, to answer those questions. And I, I do think that's been a big thing for us is, just allowing people to get in there and experience it. And uh, it's gotten fairly, it's gotten quite intuitive on, um, it, it just works how it should. Yeah, it's pretty fun too when you get on the phone call with a demo user and they've, you know, they've never, it's their first interaction with us and they've already got their account set up. And, it's, yeah. yep. and they just have those two quick questions and they're ready to rock and roll. I think our, our most active customer has signed into the site. You know, we don't do benchmarking. We don't, aggregate data you know in our terms of service we can't sell any data um but you know we we do we do track how many times people log in so if somebody's not active we can reach out and say hey you know is there anything we can do to help you Uh, our most active customer currently is logged into the software about 950 times in the last three years and he's hasn't asked a question in two years and so and he has fairly complicated crop shares and complicated ownership splits and so frankly that's that's almost too little of communication you know we'd like to hear some thoughts and some questions and you know you know we don't want to just just be the tool we like to build the relationship as well but i think that's a a vote of confidence for for the work that we're doing kind of changing tune a little bit you as a farmer put on your farmer hat and a harvest profit user as well what are you just top of your head on what we should what you're excited about us adding to the software uh, over the next year. Yeah. So I think we've talked a little bit about some of the, you know, we've had a lot of these conversations of what's next and part of it's like, it'd be nice not to do anything next and just kind of work on on what we had, but you know, there's always some exciting uh, opportunities to add some things and being the farmer, the farmer in me wants to add more things on the, on the insights. And, And, you know, we have multiple years of data now, so let's start looking at some trends of maybe, adding like a way to analyze your yield trends or, or different things on the agronomy side a little bit, yep. but still that are related to your financials. Uh, yep. Something that was big going to school for precision egg was for me, it was uh, learning or, 
you know, kind of looking at your cost per bushel of nitrogen or, you know, think, you're looking at your usage rates of different fertilizers, how that plays into your profit and loss. Um, you know, guys can always, you know, the, the salesman is probably always trying to tell you to keep applying more, more inputs, more, you know, keep putting down more fertilizer, but really looking into where those break even points are. And uh, some of that happens in the precision egg side, but we also, we also have a lot of data within Harvest Profit already that'll allow us to, to look at some of those. Yeah. I think one thing that we're going to have to do is we've been just ticking things off the list. You know, when somebody gets done with a new project, they'll, you know, if there's a something they want to improve, they'll just dive in and improve it. And I do think a more cognizant effort and thoughtful effort uh, on our end to, you know, maybe spend a, get us all in the same room and spend a couple hours and, and look at, all right, here's 20 things. Let's judge them on one you know, what's the impact of the user on a one to 10 scale, you know, one being low, 10 being high. And then what's the, um, you know, what's, how easy is it from one to 10? One being very hard, 10 being quite easy and just indexing those things on just to make sure we're, you know, it gets easy to get kind of stuck in the weeds, but now we're getting to the point where we have a lot of suggestions in our backlog that we can go back to and look and you because know, you or I who are answering questions, we tend to see, all right, maybe there's something, you know, we tend to see the, the deficiencies in the product and where it can be better. Uh, but we're probably a little bit laser focused on the current product, the current feature set, things that, sh- things that could change, integrations to, to feed that, but, you know, stepping outside the box a little bit and, and going and kind of uh, shaking the dust off of all those old features, I think will will be of value. I don't know if you know this, but in, our, in one of the first versions of Harvest Profit, when you're on the field by field profitability tab, you could just click a toggle that would be all years. So it would take off, uh, it would take off the data from, or basically pull the data from all the years in your account onto that one. And we found at the time that I logged, the first real customer we had clicked that button and it didn't work. And it was, it was bigger than the, the fake farm we used to, to build Harvest Profit. And so we removed that. But I do think that you know, the multiple year analysis, uh, if you know, looking at multiple years of profitability, um, just doing some, some simple calculators on, you know, if I add this amount of acres, and this amount of overhead, you know, just some some really simple what if. You know, you can do some pretty powerful what ifs in Harvest Profit now, but keeping it as simple as possible. And then, you know, we've talked about other th- equipment, you know, equipment cost calculators. Um, you know, some if a person has cash cash rents and crop shares, maybe some default reports comparing the two. So I think there's a a lot of a lot of things we can work on and. And so I appreciate the work you do here, Ben. You have a, a good mindset for support. You know, I think you're pretty even keeled. I tend to get a little more excitable when it comes to um, if it's a question and it's, you know, maybe we have recently on our marketing plan. Um, if a user would click really fast between different tabs and different years, we weren't clearing out the cash. And so the acres on our marketing plan would show up as being high because it would be pulling some acres from two different crop years and I I tend to get kind of fired up about that stuff and uh, and you know almost a little bit too much of a perfectionist and, and you're good at you know you have an ideal mindset for customer support and so I appreciate having you and you know me you and I have the most farm DNA here 
um, of just understanding uh, not only the numbers, but you know how things are done on the farm and how people think about things on the farm. And that's been uh, hugely valuable. And so I just want to thank you for your, your work here so far. And I think um, hopefully there's enough freedom where you can you can continue to grow here, continue to to grow your responsibilities and, and ownership of the farm and kind of make it a win-win. So with that, that wraps up our, our second episode of uh, a meeting, Ben. One last question, Ben. Did you sell your planter yet? Nope. <laughs> so, Not yet. Um, what's your Twitter Twitter the Twitter handle is Ben? ben? At, at Longlet. At Longlet. B-L-O-N-G-L-E-T. So if you're... If you're looking for a, what is the planter again? I got a, a 18 row, 22 inch planter that we've been looking to to get rid of. So all right, so help Ben make the move to 30 inch rows again yep. and strip till by buying his planter. There we go. He's <laughs> he's treated it good. So with that, we will talk to you next time. Thank you.